Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by the lovely Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello. Hello for Dimity. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh my God. I am so lame. I am so lame. Like I never learned how to floss, you know, do the dance floss. I know how to floss. <laughs> it's like, what does, that, what does uh, dental hygiene have to do with how cool you are? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I, uh, it's, it's getting to be fall around here. So I pulled on um, a pair of jeans and I'm like, I don't know. I think I got to get rid of like my boot cuts, you know, like um, even though if I do that, they're not going to be, they're going to be cool again in about three years. And I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, mad that I got rid of them, but I just yeah. feel like there's skinny jeans everywhere. And I feel like a mom wearing my boot cuts. Well, you know what? I have a solution. Just put them in a bag and don't tell Grant about it. And then he'll give them to Goodwill <laughs> without telling you. That, that still hurts, Sarah. Too, too raw, too, too raw. soon. Too soon. Oh my God. <laughs> colored so, cords. It's funny. I was at, um, so there's a store here in Denver called Long Tall Sally. I probably um, have it before it is for us tall folks I mean honestly I uh, it is it's crazy I go in there and I'm like I am among my people like there's always like one or two other people shopping that I like kind of looking like how tall are you you know like and the, and the um the clerks are pretty tall and anyway um and so I tried on these orange jeans that had 37 inseams no way inseams. no I was like which I don't even need, amazingly. There are people that need that, and I do. I am not that person. They all, like, bunched around my knees. Um, <laughs> but they made me very wistful for my orange cords. I won't lie. Oh. Like, make these in cords and make them a little bit shorter, and <laughs> I'll take them back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if you had to get jeans hemmed? I know. Well, that's so funny. I was like, well, maybe I take them to – because, you know, it's so nice to have them fit – on the waist and not feel like, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm carrying around a little load in my crotch, you know, could trying to get, um, you know, I don't know, trying to get things to fit. I was thinking about them. I'm like, no. And plus they were, they were pretty, they like, they were like 140 bucks. I'm like, oh I'm spending I mean, cause that's the thing that these, my orange cords were from the gap, you know, oh, yeah. they were like, probably like, you know, on sale for like $45. Yeah. But how cute would the orange jeans look with our, another mother runner stacked t-shirt? Well, I have red jeans. Yeah, you do. The gap, so I could wear those. So don't yeah. worry. You know, and that's the other thing is I'm trying to, you know, minimize the amount of stuff that I have in my life. You know, as you know, with your um, father passing and your mother moving, like yeah. accumulation is a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. And my mom is actually uh, downsizing quite a bit and um, my mom and, and stepdad and as a result, I'm getting like so many, <laughs> not orange jeans, but like tchotchkes and things. And I'm just like, mom, I, I don't need another waffle iron. Mom, I don't, I, I, I love you, but I really don't want another dog bed in our house. Like I'll take it to the Humane Society. I'm happy to do that for you, but like quit dumping your stuff on me. <laughs> oh you know? You tell your mother, I am not the Vietnam Veterans of America pickup <laughs> service. I know. <laughs> oh, she's, she's good. I mean, I'm making her out. It's a little dramatic, of course, like for drama, but yeah. I mean, it, it is crazy how much stuff that you accumulate, even when you, I don't, I don't consider myself a, I don't, my closet is not that full. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, I work from home. I don't need mm -hmm. a lot of clothes, but you know, mm. and I'm always drawn to the exact same thing. So, <laughs> that to you? I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that Navy sweater. I try it on. I'm like, wait a second. I have a Navy sweater just like that. Just like red <laughs> jeans, orange jeans. Like really? That's not that much different. Right. <laughs> you sound like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe blue shirt. Maybe yeah. blue no, shirt. no, I am a gray sweater. Like I just am like, 
I will. I almost have to like shake my head like a dog does and be like, you don't need another gray sweater, Sarah, particularly in Portland where it's gray outside. So you want to be wearing a color. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm drawn to um, is like light pink, mm-hmm. like not hot pink, but like a light pink. Mm-hmm. And you have to have in the wintertime, you have to have darker skin. I mean, either African, being African-American or like some kind of Greek, I don't know, but like you have to have a different skin tone than I have. I mean, I don't know what it is, why I think that that's going to look good with my, like my pale ass white face and my, like, you know, my bags under my eyes and, you know, maybe a little stash growing because I haven't been waxed in a while, you know, like there's nothing good about white pink in the wintertime. I'm glad you have such a positive self-image of yourself. Well, it, in white pink. Now give me like a nice, like teal and I look a lot better. A teal, a blue, you know, like get your colors done, right? That's a thing. <laughs> it is true. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> those are the types of conversations that we just had like all the time when we were driving around to places, you know, yeah. sometimes we'd find ourselves with extra time and then we're, oh, let's go shopping. You know, it's the same yeah. store. It's anthropology in Salt Lake City instead of in Portland or Denver. <laughs> I know, maybe you have something different on sale. I know, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, so, actually the jeans that I bought that I was like, do I get rid of these? Are the ones that I bought in North Carolina. Oh, those are awesome jeans. I know. I'm not going to get rid of them. Okay. Yeah. They have sentimental value too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and Lord knows I don't have many of those left in my closet. <laughs> right. right. Oh my gosh. I did. I got rid of, you gave me really awesome. Um, they were boot cut um, page jeans and hadn't they been your sisters? Yeah. They were Sarah's. My sister's. Yeah. Sarah's. Yeah. 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 So I finally got rid of this cause they were pretty low cut and I just found them like they're with my, you know, my men my putty menopot that doesn't go away. My, my, my gut that won't go away. I'm like, no, this is uncomfortable. It cuts into me and it is so unflattering. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, That's so. the thing, right? If it doesn't feel good, doesn't look good. You don't feel good in it. No mm-hmm. reason to keep it. And I feel good in my boot cuts, even though that does scream, you know, mom in a minivan. <laughs> Just won't wear my dance go clogs with them, all right? But a, all right. A mi- but a mighty chic minivan. Man. A mighty chic, yeah. When, the, when your car is cooler than your jeans, you know you got a problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, well, um, speaking of t- talks we had on travels, we are going to be traveling a lot. So, if you've been channeling your chi dim so that we you know have lots of energy because we are on well, thinking about my outfits <laughs> oh, yeah. oh i know <laughs> although um, the good good thing is that now that we decide that like at the retreat that we wear you know team shirts you know that we wear merch from our store it's like phew okay don't just need to decide what pants i'll wear that day well yeah but the only, okay so so I, I interrupt you and i apologize but we're going to the twin cities mm-hmm. soon mm-hmm. um yes. we're going to kansas city for a live podcast yep and then we are going um, to Cape Cod, of course, for our retreat. And um, if you need to find these links, we have no one. You know what, Sarah? Nobody uh, commented on our new newsletter, mm-hmm. our new headers, and our little dividers. Did, that, did you notice them? <laughs> oh, they're darling. Yes, but they are darling. You've seen them before, but yes. Anyway, um, so we have this little at the bottom of our like the newsletter that you get a couple times a week. It says on the road. It's at the very, very bottom. And that's where you can find um, a link to the live podcast in um, both in Kansas City and in Minneapolis in RSVP. If you're in Cape Cod, probably. Yep. Oh, we, I didn't, I've not put that one in yet. Yeah, we're still we're still kind of working on that. Those, those okay. Well, that will be added. But but yes, I was impressed that you because you put it you put it recently, and I noticed it was in there today. 
Yeah, it's, it's, oh. I'm just leaving it in there. It's in every newsletter. Oh, if good. All the way down to the bottom, just because then it's easy to find no matter mm-hmm. what, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that's where those are if you want to join us in one of those places. Yeah. Um, but okay, here's my question. Weather in Cape Cod at the end of October. I mean, I'm picturing us in like, wellies and a, like a yellow <laughs> one of those like you know the, the gordon's fisherman uh, yes yeah. yes uh raincoats <laughs> i mean what's the weather gonna be like okay well i have a funny story to tell about that is uh well the answer is um historically a high of 61 and a low of 42 but okay. our designer megan used to live in washington state and she and her um, young family just relocated to the uk for her husband's job i believe and so I sent her the link to the weather from Falmouth, Massachusetts. And I said, oh, you know, can you put this in? Because we put it on the either the schedule of events or the packing list. And so she sends it back to me. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea it got so cold there by the end of October. <laughs> and she had a high of 16 and a low of 6. I'm like, honey, that's Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't do those kind of conversions. I'm an American. <laughs> so I just thought so find that a link, you know, that it yeah. link knows where you are. So it, yes. so it shows, yes. yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I so have sweaters over our cute lifestyle tees is what I'm hearing basically. Yes. I would yeah. say that. Or you, you always rock a denim jacket really well. You can wear the team AMR jacket, you know, there might be a yeah. certain new. Lots of choices. Mess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for sure. Yes. Good. Well, before we go to Cape Cod, we have to go to Hawaii, right? <laughs> we do. We do. Um, we have a very special episode today. Um, thanks to our longtime partner, Goo Energy Labs, I got to do a one-on-one interview with triathlete great Marinda Carfrey as a crossover episode of sorts with the Goo Pinnacle podcast. Rinny, as she's known, is an athletic phenom. She's achieved podium positions in six of the seven Ironman World Championships she's raced in in Kona, Hawaii. Rinny won that renowned race three times, came in second three times as well, and placed third once. And the reason that Goo had me do the interview, because um, typically Goo Pinnacle podcast is um, co-hosted by two dudes, um, is that two dudes, two dudes is that um, last year Rinny gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Izzy. And Rinny has since returned to training and racing, and she's headed to the Big Island next month for her first post-baby. Ironman Triathlon World Championship. So wow. I'll be watching with great interest to see how that mother triathlete does. So I'll be back with my conversation with Rennie right after this break. Stay tuned for sure. Thanks for talking with me today, Rennie. This I'm really excited to be having this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so happy belated birthday to baby Izzy. Um, she turned one last month, I believe. Um How'd you celebrate that milestone for yourself as a mother triathlete? <laughs> yeah, it's been one on the 22nd of August. Um, I can't believe it's already been a year. Um, unfortunately, the celebrations were pretty mild as we're, we're now only six weeks out from Kona. So I think we're around eight weeks out then. And yeah, it's been kind of a hectic season. We uh, travel a lot and I feel like it's just kind of been a whirlwind. So we wanted to have a big party, but um, in the end, we just had a couple of close friends over Um and yeah, had a couple of um, couple of drinks, a couple of glasses of wine, but nothing too crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's in hard training, so um, we'll celebrate a little more once we get through Kona. Right, right. Maybe a little um, little luau for her or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so let's turn the clock back to your pregnancy and your time off from competing. 
as a lot has changed since the last time you were on Pinnacle Podcast. Um, that was, I think, November of 2016. So given that Izzy was born in late August, I, you know, I did the rough math. And so you must have gotten pregnant almost right after Kona. And so how did it feel to go from being such a peak of physical fitness when everything must have seemed in your control to having a body that really was not your own at that point? The difference is incredible. We fell pregnant in sort of mid-November, I guess. We didn't find out till late November. So um, yeah, pretty much right away. Um, and that was amazing and awesome um, that it you know, was relatively easy for us because we obviously didn't know <laughs> if it would be hard or easy to fall pregnant. Um, and that was obviously a concern. Uh, we're not getting any younger. So um, mm-hmm. that was exciting. Um, but I actually was just starting back in training. So I'd race Kona and um, I think I did the Island House races um, in the Bahamas a couple of weeks later. And then we'd, you know, just taken some time off. And so I was in my quote unquote, most unfit state <laughs> um, <laughs> at the time um, when, you know, I found I was just, you know, starting back into a program and found that we were pregnant. And so, yeah, like kind of was like, well, I guess I don't need to be on a serious program. <laughs> um, and yeah, my, basically my whole training and whole mindset changed pretty quick. Like I sort of let go of um, identifying myself as a professional athlete and, you know, oh. it, it happened quickly and also, over time and that you know in my mind I'm like I'm not a professional athlete right now I'm just a mother and I'm um, creating a human being and I want to just be healthy and exercise is not um, the most important thing in my life and that's what I kept trying to tell myself but initially it was kind of a weird transition because you basically the last 15 years probably around 15 years of my life I you know had that you know, you have the big race, you have your off season, and then you start building up for the next year. And now I'm like, well, okay, so how do I tackle <laughs> this next chapter of our lives? And kept sticking over the training. Um, but yeah, I just tried to uh, take some time off, I guess. Um, I also realized that I have been doing this sport for 15 years and, mm-hmm. or even more. I did my first triathlon in 99. So I'm coming up to 20 years since my first triathlon next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make sure I had a, a mental break from the sport as well. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was a really nice change actually. Um, but kind of weird to kind of transition, um, into that. And, you know, over time your body changes dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of definitely <laughs> unrecognizable. I think I gained about 40 pounds. I was almost as heavy as my husband, um, by the time <laughs> Isabel was born. Um, so yeah, like Matt. Your, your, our bodies are just incredible um, the way they change to, to you know um, grow that little baby and then um, eventually hopefully <laughs> and in my case it did happen you know the weight comes back off and um, it, you know, the end fell back off and um, you're back to pretty much your old self again so um, massive changes in the body and um, that, that definitely sh- slows you down and I made sure I just listened to my body and tried to only exercise when it felt good and um, didn't push myself at all. Um, yeah, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed my pregnancy, actually. Oh, good. Good, good for yeah. you. So, so, yeah. and, and so, I mean, did you still do all three disciplines or did, I, I know you're not big on swimming, but I know from personal experience, swimming can sometimes feel so great when you're pregnant, especially in those later months when maybe you have some swelling or something. So, I mean, yeah, no, I, you- um, I kept, 
initially I, you know, swam, biked and ran. Um, I actually ran all the way up to 35 weeks. And when I say, you know, swam, biked and ran, I, I exercised. I didn't train. And so I would go out and um, run, you know, initially an hour or, you know, hour 15, you know, in the first, you know, trimester or the, you know, in the second trimester. Um, but then it started to be more like, you know, a 30 minute run and maybe a bit of a hike. And by 35 weeks, I started to become uncomfortable with running. So I just mm-hmm. um, would hike um, mountain biking. Um, when I say mountain bike, I really just mean on the mountain bike, so it's more upright mm-hmm. <laughs> and out on dirt roads because they're obviously safer than the road. So um, I did mountain bike um, till pretty late in my pregnancy. What stopped me from mountain biking was we were getting sort of to 36, 37 weeks. And, um, it was hard to find someone to, you know, during the day to come and go for a recreational hour or hour and a half mountain bike ride. And my husband wasn't keen on me going out by myself. So, um, I sort of stopped the mountain biking, but that actually felt totally fine. Mm-hmm. And yes, as you mentioned, swimming was really nice. And it was fun to go and do, um, swim sessions with the master's groups because, you know, all the swimming that I've been doing, um, has always been very specific and very, um, performance oriented and very much um you know goals throughout the, you know the session and hard like hard swimming and um I was just turning up to master sessions where a lot of the swim is socializing and <laughs> um a lot of rest on the wall um not so much uh focused on getting in a certain amount of yardage in your hour or an hour and a half um so definitely a massively different culture than um than I've been uh, accustomed to and also I started to use other equipment in the gym that I would never use for example the, the Stairmaster the elliptical um you know, late in my pregnancy that those machines became you know I'd go to the gym for an hour and a half and I'd work out the Stairmaster for half an hour and the elliptical for 30 minutes and then I'd do a little gym session with Aaron my um strength coach mm-hmm. um yeah so it was just mixing it up but most days I made sure I took at least one day off a week and if I didn't feel great I wouldn't exercise but for the most part I felt better if I did something so whether I be an hour or two hours um, or 30 minutes um, I would try and do something every day. Mm-hmm. Wow and so you said you stopped running at 35 weeks and maybe a couple of weeks after that you stopped mountain biking so were you one of those people that did a workout on the day you gave birth or I mean how close up to, to delivery? No I, I mean I think I swam the day before we gave birth, but I was like, Isabel was like two weeks late. Oh. So she was more like almost 42 weeks. Um, and so the last, um, so I think the last day we actually, they had us come into the hospital because um, they didn't want me to go past 42 weeks and um, they were going to induce me. And then she ended up, I ended up starting contractions around 12 days post my due date. So um, on that day, uh, that I was going to be induced, my doula uh, recommended that I try and sleep and rest as much as possible. So we sort of actually, mm-hmm. Tim went out and did a massive run session that morning and then he came home and we sat on the couch and <laughs> I lay on the couch and we watched TV all day and, and we went in that evening. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely could have exercised, but mm-hmm. I was sort of well, guided to try and get the rest. Yeah, I have to say that's, that's brilliant advice because um, – for my first baby, I went into labor in the late afternoon, early evening. And I just remember thinking, I just want to sleep tonight. Can we just like press the pause button here? And then tomorrow I'll be fine with giving birth. But right now I'm just so sleepy. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, and even 
I don't, I mean, the advice is obviously sound and um, has great advice, but it's really hard to sleep when, you know, this massive life-changing event is about to happen. So um, I rested and laid um, horizontal for a lot of, you know, that's 24 hours before, but um, definitely was um, an exciting time and very hard to, to relax too much. So, and with her being almost two weeks late, was there even a small part of you that was like, come on, I got to get back to training. Let's get out of here and start, start the recovery process. Yeah. I mean, there was a, sort of a part of me, um, cause you know, I, once we found out that we were pregnant, I, I kind of figured, well, this is perfect. We'll have the baby in August. Um, and I was planning to go to Kona with Tim. So it was more like, I didn't want to, I was hoping Isabel would be a little older by the time, you know, like not six weeks when I took her on a plane, <laughs> but um, more like eight weeks. But um, she was, yeah, she was about six, five and a half weeks old when we flew to Hawaii with her and it was totally all fine. But um, that was kind of my main concern, just traveling with yeah. Isabel and knowing that I was definitely going to go to Hawaii um, to support Tim. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had my plan of attack for the following year, but there's a lot of, you know, room to move when you have an August baby. Um, mm-hmm knowing that basically the season hadn't even finished. Um, mm-hmm. And then I really didn't need to start racing again until, you know, early the following year. So I had, you know, I still had plenty of time to, um, although you never know how long it's going to take to get your body back in one piece. <laughs> and when would you say you started to feel like your, your pre-baby self? Uh, I feel like only in the last, couple of months um fully back to my old baby self the pre um baby self um I definitely started feeling um or seeing my old glimpses of of my old self sort of in probably February when we were down training in Australia um I was um you know just starting to get some of the feedback and starting to see the power numbers on the bike and um actually the swim and the bike sort of felt more normal quicker Mm-hmm. But the run is probably that last piece, and that only really started to feel. I started to feel like myself only probably yeah, a month, month ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that's the product of, of you know, more being conservative. Uh, my coach was really conservative with, you know, p- piling the mileage back on my run and um, doing any big key run sessions in training. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely had some fantastic run. Race, races and ran well in races but I certainly didn't see I didn't feel myself and I and I didn't see um or fully feel like my old self um in training um definitely I only had small glimpses of uh, my old run potential mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and is your daughter walking yet yeah she uh she's been in a hurry to do everything since she <laughs> arrived um so she started walking in about 10 months Oh boy! Oh, uh, look at the first steps, and so she's well and truly mobile now. Um, we oh have to put the put the gates up quick, smart. Uh, we got some <laughs> some pretty treacherous stairs at our house, so um, yeah, she yeah she's on the move, well and truly. Oh my goodness! So, well, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I suspect that managing a, a two pro triathlete household with a toddler isn't easy. Um, my husband isn't athletic, but I know from talking to women in the another mother runner community, it can be tough having both parents on a training cycle at one time. So I realize it's it's your all's jobs to do that. But um, what tips or advice can you 
give to recreational athletes who are doing the same juggling act, like maybe some things that have worked for you and Tim? Well, I think, um, again, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it, first of all. So full praise to the mums and dads out there who are exercising and working and raising um, amazing children. And, um, yeah, when, when we fell pregnant, um, I knew I, I had desire to come back to racing, um, all things going well with, you know, the baby, uh, having a healthy and a baby that's uh, easy um, or just uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. Um and we kind of decided that in order to do our jobs properly, we would need an au pair. And mm-hmm. so uh, we ended up hiring a nanny when Izzy was about uh, three and a half months old. Mm-hmm. And she lived with us um, and works uh, about 40 to 45 hours a week, uh, which enables us to go and do our training um, pretty much how we would normally um, do it. Uh, those 45 hours get <laughs> get used up pretty quick when you count getting to training and from training and once you get into the you know 30 hour training weeks and then massage and mm-hmm. um and gym work and all those things but um yeah our our nanny i don't think we could do it without having a nanny i mean i shouldn't say we couldn't do it but i think um at, we wouldn't be able to do it at the level that we're doing it at um sure. if we if we just did it by ourselves we don't have any family Living nearby, Tim's family on the East Coast. My family are in Australia, so it's not like we have, you know, grandma that we can mm-hmm. <laughs> call on um, right. anytime or anyone to drop Izzy off at. So, um, yeah, we decided to have a, a live-in nanny, and, and that's worked out really well for us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, afternoons where I'll have Izzy and I need to go for a run or Tim needs a massage or um, we're both trying to figure out how we're going to make that work. And, um you know, I end up taking Izzy in the a jogger pram a couple of, maybe once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually quite enjoy doing that. And she's yeah. happy enough to come along. I, I don't take her for any long runs, but maybe just like a 30-minute, 40-minute recovery run in the afternoon. But um, I've also noticed that um, with my training, I tend to just go back to back to back. So prior to having Izzy, I would um, do a session, come home, have some breakfast, maybe rest for a little bit then go out for my next session a couple hours later um, and then do another session in the afternoon so I kind of take the whole day to do four to six hours of training mm-hmm. and now I just kind of get up I go to swim come home have something to eat jump straight on the bike run straight off the bike and I'm kind of always done by like um two o'clock unless it's a, a crazy busy or you know a day that requires me to have extra rest and do something in the afternoon and then when that happens Tim and I end up figuring out how to juggle Izzy. Um, but yeah, I, I've noticed that, yeah, that's kind of how I get my training done. And I feel like I'm racing on performing better, um, you know, just always biking right after swimming and running right off the bike and not dilly-dallying or um, wasting time. Because <laughs> um, I just don't have the time to waste anymore. I just, you know. It's either done now or it doesn't get done. So, um, yeah. <laughs> the life of a, of a mother athlete, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so then it sounds like your recovery strategies then probably have changed somewhat, that, that you know, it's no longer a two-hour, you know, cashed out on the couch session maybe or something like that, that it's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. There's um, not, none of that. We used to um, have 
dinner and watch Netflix and put out normal tech boots on in the evening. And I haven't, I don't I don't watch TV anymore <laughs> unless I'm on the train, the wind trainer and um, I have an easier ride that I can um, watch some, some show. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, don't watch movies, don't watch shows anymore. Um, I love normal tech boots, but um, it's very rare that I get to spend time in them. Um, I try to make time for them on, you know, race week or if I'm really uh, needing some recovery time, but, um, wait, so, yeah, so, honestly, so tell people that, you know, I think the, probably the goo pinnacle, um, listeners will know what that means, but, but for the AMR crowd that maybe doesn't, including me, what, what are those? Yeah. Normatec boots are, um, they're basically like, uh, braided compression. So there's, they're these big, um, uh, boots that you put on each leg and, mm-hmm compressed air gets pushed into those boots and it kind of like flushes mm, so it's sort mm-hmm. of like it'll squeeze kind of your calves and then it'll go up to your quads and then it'll release and sort of keep doing that so it sort of basically just flushes um you know like and, and they're like thigh high almost they're basically all the way up to the top of your thighs so you oh wow them all okay. the way up yeah. okay um so they get your you know your full quads and your um calves and uh, they feel they feel great. Um, you hop out of them and your legs feel like brand new. So <laughs> I love using them. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we used to use them an hour almost every day. And, wow. uh, yeah, now, now I prefer, I, like a recovery is chasing Izzy around. Like I just am walking around following her and playing with her. Um, right. so recovery is not optimal, but I don't really care. I mean, I, huh. I love spending time with Izzy and, um, that's my time with, my my little girl and I wouldn't change it for the world and mm-hmm. that's just the way it is now and um yeah I'm fine with it if that means I can't uh recover and as well as I used to be able to then that's fine with me that's something I'm willing to give up mm, that's wonderful that is very heartwarming um so that's sort of makes me think how did it feel to be a spectator at Kona last year instead of you know you had had eight starts there and and I know you were there to support Tim but um you know it must have felt different and and I have to ask did you have like a baby Bjorn on I mean was was Izzy yeah. out there with you Yeah absolutely um so going to Kona um after eight eight years of going to Kona in the best shape of my life. Like that's the race I prepare for all year. Mm-hmm. Um, to then being basically six weeks post. Mm-hmm. Um, so like really, like really in the worst shape of my life, not like two weeks off training in the worst shape of the year, <laughs> no, like properly, you know, in terrible shape. Um, it felt kind of weird. Just, you know, I felt a little bit disjointed from the race because it was just, you know, after having Izzy and your whole life change, your whole perspective on everything changes. Um, I don't know. It just didn't feel as as important as it used mm-hmm. to. It mm-hmm. kind of just felt like, well, this is the Ironman World Championships. This is a great race. But look at my amazing daughter. And yeah. um, obviously she's our whole world now. So, um, yeah, I felt quite disjointed from the event. And, you know, given that Izzy was only uh, five, uh, six, I guess, eight weeks old by the time the race, um, started. I ended up spending just a lot of time indoors with her because you know it's hot out there. You don't want to get sunburned and heat stroke. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, I had sponsorship obligations that I would go down into town for. But um, mostly, I would just hang out with Izzy mm-hmm. um, in the house that we rented, and we were kind of like we rented a house sort of away from everything as well. So yeah, it didn't really didn't feel like 
the world championships at all to me. Um, and then even on race day, um, I was so focused on Tim and sort of being there to support him. I wasn't really, what I didn't really get to follow the women's race so much. Oh, and so I think, I think I was just, just not focused on that. I was more focused on Tim and just like making sure Izzy was okay. We, I had someone help me watch Izzy on race days so that I could um, support Tim a little better. It felt very different to every other time I've been on that big island. Uh-huh. And some breastfeeding breaks in the during the spectating, I imagine. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> breastfeeding breaks uh, have been kind of a theme for the past past year. Uh-huh. Um, hopping off the bike trainers to feed Izzy, and uh, yeah, <laughs> coming home between sessions to feed her, yeah, all of those things. But it's been a it's been a an interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine because. Um, so my business partner, Dimity, she has done one Ironman and, and I just think about the, the long rides in particular. And so, I mean, were you like doing like figure eight so you could stop back at the house to, to, you know, go out for two hours and come back and that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I didn't really get fit enough to ride that long until she was a little bit older. So I didn't Mm. even really start. I did my first exercise in Kona, so eight weeks and then, um, I started pumping as well. So I was, you know, expressing milk and freezing it. Um, and so once I was riding long enough, um, it was more me that would um, mm-hmm. struggle towards the end of the ride and that, you know, I had a lot of milk um, mm-hmm. on board. And, um, but, uh, you know, I had milk stored for Isabel. So um, um, I would feed her right before I left. I would go out and ride my four hours or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, we would use, you know, the express milk to feed her for one feeding. And then when I get back, I feed her right away. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I kind of figured out how to make that work. Um, but yeah, again, I, you know, I definitely eased my way back into training and, and we had the, I had the luxury of that and having an August baby, I didn't really have to rush into, mm-hmm. into training knowing that I didn't really need to race until April. So, um, yeah. And my first time then was in June. So my really long ride, you know, it didn't really happen until end of February and March. So, all right. So that was, that was one type of nutrition. Uh, this, <laughs> I hope we didn't lose any listeners over that Maybe one, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but so let's talk um, nutrition that is more within the goo wheelhouse. Um, so um, I know from the last time you're on the podcast that lemonade, rock tanning and chocolate goo um, were, your, yeah. were your go-tos. Are those still your favorites or have some of the newer flavors caught your fancy? Yeah, I really like the toasted marshmallow as well. Mm. Um, it's kind of one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Um, and also, actually, I think I well, I like the toasted marshmallow, but initially I tried to avoid goose with caffeine in it. I found that, yeah. I mean, I don't drink coffee, and I found that Izzy, uh, even when I ate chocolate, was pretty sensitive. I noticed early on <laughs> that if I had some chocolate, she wouldn't settle as easy after I said her so mm-hmm. um so I tried to eliminate caffeine but um toasted marshmallow was um it is one of my favorites and I ended up you know going to that flavor um you know now that she's a bit bigger it's not as big a deal but um I also love yeah, salted salted caramel. Caramel. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, um, he posted a photo of you on Twitter, the two of you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah missed that guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's my other other favorite. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bunch on uh, French toast is a good one. Um, oh, yeah, that's yeah, they, very new. Yeah, they, yeah they, they keep coming up with new yummy flavors and 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's great for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so talk us through your um, training on the go nutrition. So, you know, when you're out on a long training ride or a run. Yeah, I mean, I always um, I pack uh, a couple of goos um, and sometimes the the chews as well. I, I like the mm-hmm. watermelon chews. Mm, yes, um, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for when I'm out on the bike. Um, but yeah, typically I'll just take uh, a couple of goos, but I don't really use goo unless. I'm doing a harder session oh. or if I'm trying to simulate like I'm like a, a race situation. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, like any of my hard, harder runs, I take goo because you know, so they're easier to, to take, um, easier to, you know, drink and swallow and, you know, chewing mm-hmm. involved, uh, which mm-hmm. is good when you're breathing really hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I typically will take two gels with me on any hard run. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, the, to choose out on longer rides and then i also use other either the lemon tea um drink or the watermelon mm-hmm. drink they're mm-hmm. my two favorite electrolyte drinks mm-hmm. um and also the um the tabs i'm big on the tabs as well mm-hmm. uh, we're actually out in kansas right now training and it's quite hot and humid although the last couple of days it's been raining but yeah i've noticed i'm sweating a lot more so i don't mm-hmm. really need the calories as much so i go to the to the um to the tabs a lot of the time mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i feel like it helps me re- replace the salts that i'm losing and, right. um without extra calories right right nice okay so now for the question that we've made everybody wait for um world championship okay. next month uh what's your game plan uh my game plan is is the same as it's always been um you know i never really fortunately in the women's race it's it's less dynamic than the men's in that um, less tactics come into it. I feel like um, that may have changed in the past year um, because there's a couple of younger, new new Ironman superstars emerging. So I'll be you know I'll be getting to race against some of the the, the new talent coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean I've always had to, or I've always just raced my own race, and in that I just do the best I can in the swim, try to get out fast and, and get into a good pack and then um, hop on the bike. And I always end up riding by myself. Um, maybe there's someone else that I end up riding with for, you know, a bit here and there. But the beauty of Kona as well is that um, I feel like it's the one race in the year for the women that is completely fair. Um, you know, we start five minutes behind the pro men and these pro men are really good pro men. So the fastest women swimmers may catch May may catch them in the swim, but they're not going to be able to ride with them because these are the best fifty men in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's less, um, you know, cross contamination. <laughs> I want to say men <laughs> women racing together. Mm-hmm. Um, so the men's race kind of is up the road, and then the age groupers start fifteen minutes behind us. So you don't have like really good age group men coming and impacting the back of the women's field. So um, yeah, and it's twelve meter drop rule and the draft marshals are not afraid to give out red cards so i feel like that's why kona is the most fair uh race and the best indicator of which athletes are actually um the best in the world Uh, Mm -hmm. because i feel like there's a lot of races uh, around the world in europe and in australia and, and all around the world where you know maybe there's no draft marshals or maybe the draft marshals are not confident in giving out their penalties and um there's pro men who really shouldn't be pro men who are <laughs> impacting the women's race and there's 
amazing age group guys that are impacting the women's race. And um, I think that just changes the, the dynamic. And so it's hard to look at other results around the world and really know is this result legit uh-huh. <laughs> or did this girl get a ride off an age group man or a pro mm-hmm. man or a motorbike. So yeah, I, I, that's why I love Kona. I love racing. And, um, um, yeah. And so, yeah, basically I'm fine with riding the whole bike leg by myself and um, basically just trying to get in that sweet spot and that I'm riding fast enough uh, where I can be competitive, uh-huh. but not too fast where I kind of impact my run. And then, um, yeah, see if I can <laughs> unleash uh, a fast run again. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm not 100% sure how it's all going to feel post 50, but I feel like, you know, the training has been going well and all the indicators are that I should be ready to have a, a very solid race in Kona. And I just hope that um, I can have that race that I'm trained for. While you're talking, I remembered a question that came up from listening to the November 2016 interview with you was that you mentioned that you think about sometimes um, doing a standalone marathon and seeing really what you're capable of in the 26.2 distance. Does that, um, does the idea of being a, a mother runner instead of a mother triathlete, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to um, try and see how fast I could run a marathon. Um, and I, I really applaud Gwen Jorgensen for, you know, winning that gold medal and then taking a massive turn and a massive risk, I think, in trying to make the Olympic um, marathon team. Um, uh-huh. Obviously, Gwen's a mother as well, and uh, mm-hmm. she had baby Stanley, I think, uh, 10 days before Izzy. Um, so, yeah, I've been watching her journey, and I'm hopeful that she um, can convert um, over to uh, the marathon. And, and that's something that I admire. I admire that the guts that she has <laughs> to go and do that because, um, you know, I feel like no disrespect to any runner out there. I have utmost respect to all the marathoners, all the running, runners out there. But Ironman training <laughs> takes a lot of time. And I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, if, if I was just doing marathons, um, I would have a lot more time to spend at home with Izzy. So, um, oh, yeah, good. I mean, that's, that's something that's in the back of my mind and um, maybe in the future. Um, if I have another baby, that might have to be the <laughs> the yeah. goal. Um, but I mean, no one right now, no one's going to pay me to do marathon. Um, and you know, I need to be sensible and, um, and also, you know, um, the sport has been very good to me and I, and I, I still have passion, the passion to race Ironman mm-hmm. and race it, um, the full distance. So, um, yeah, there's a number of reasons why I'm still racing. Mm-hmm. Ironman and um, still doing triathlons, but um, I, you know, I'd be lying if I, I said that marathon running didn't intrigue me. Um, but yeah, it's just not for this part of my life. Yeah, because is is still your best twenty six point two in an Ironman? Is it the time still two forty nine, or have you bettered that? No, yeah, two forty nine. I think that was in um, that was in uh, the last year I raced the sixteen in mm-hmm. Austria. Yeah, so I mean, that's not too far off from a uh, Olympic qualifying time in the marathon. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, think it's, uh-huh. it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, it's still a yeah. I'd have to run a hell of a lot faster. Um, yeah, but to, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have that two point four swim and that one hundred and twelve bike beforehand. You know, you'd be entering it on fresh legs. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, yeah. That's that's the question I ask. You know, people yeah. ask me a lot, and I ask myself. But again, it. It would, I would, you know, I'd have to 
my body would have to change. I'd have to lose some muscle <laughs> um, and lighten up a little bit. Um, and who knows? I mean, yeah, maybe maybe 2.49 is my best marathon time. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like I could go a little bit quicker. I just don't know how quick, how much quicker and whether it would be in the caliber of the, the elite marathon runners. So will um, Tim and Izzy be waiting for you at the finish line in Kona? In Kona? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. Yeah. Is he in, I'm just trying to figure out is his outfit. Um, <laughs> I, need to, I need to find a cute outfit for Izzy. So I'm wondering if like a little coconut bra and a like a straw dress, a grass dress would work out well for her. Oh, I love your, you know, how you, you spread yourself. You, you can be a very serious athlete, but you're still thinking about your baby's outfit. So, um, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been a pleasure talking with you, Rennie, and I know that um, the entire Another Mother in Our community and the Pinnacle listeners will all be cheering for you in Kona next month. So uh, best of luck to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. So I want to say thanks again to Goo Energy Labs for that really, really wonderful experience of getting to chat with Rennie. I just enjoyed it so much. So thank you, Goo. And let's hear what folks are up to in the Train Like a Mother Club. Take it away, Dimity. Hey y'all, it's Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club Corner. I'm sliding in just under the wire, hopefully before thing two walks in the door. So if I'm talking more quickly than usual, that's why. Um, I'm hanging out right now in the Heart Rate 101 Facebook page. There was a great post about how quickly people converted to heart rate or training by heart rate, which um, as you likely know, um, requires you to slow down a little bit and really keep your easy runs easy. And um, Kristen said, as far as her conversion, I was an immediate convert in large part because I knew that what I was doing wasn't working for me and I, because I saw results in my first week on Heart Rate 101. Today was particularly nice. I got sick yesterday and the fact that I was able to jump back in this morning for my easy effort 30-minute run as if nothing had been wrong is a total win. Um, and uh, But then we've got... Um, Lindsay says, I was a quick convert, not immediately though, and I still struggle occasionally, but I have been comfortable running by myself and shuffling along. However, yesterday when a person whom I know blasted by me at the park, where I never run, but I apparently do now, um, going at lightning speed, it took me a minute to get myself straightened out in my head like, this is okay, I'm doing what I need to do, and MK's voice in my head was nowhere to be heard, laugh out loud. Yeah, that took me a minute to snap back. But I feel great and I get to do two by twos, which is a fun workout this afternoon. And then the last one comes from Nikki. She says, I am still reluctant and sometimes I question it, but it feels so good that it's hard to ignore it. My plantar fasciitis pain is minimal and the fact that I'm running five days a week with minimal pain is so worth it. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to let you know if that is something that is interesting to you, we've got a new session of it opening up, um, October 8th. It's an eight week program. So heart rate one or one, um, will run from October 8th through December 2nd. Uh, you can sign up at trainlikeamother.club and, um, the, there's no race at the end. There's no expectation other than you learn how to run easy. And, um, that's, really a lovely expectation to have when you go in to a training program because um, my guess is you're going to nail it. All right. Have a great week, all. We will see you soon. Um, see some of you in the Twin Cities. And uh, yep, have a great week. Bye. Okay. 
if you if you didn't scroll down to the bottom of the newsletter, as Dimity suggested, which is a brilliant suggestion, here are the details for where we're going to be and all that good stuff. So Twin Cities Marathon Expo, we are talking at the Expo on Friday, October 5th at 4.30 p.m. And then the next day, Saturday the 6th, there is a podcast party at the place where the Expo is at River Center, which is in St. Paul, right along the river. And that party is from 12.30 to 2.00. And it is free of charge and um, we're still working on a guest, but it's going to be a great show. And as well, the swag will be great at all our parties. Um, Then next up is October 17th. We are doing a podcast recording party at Lululemon at Country Club Plaza. That's from 7.30 to 9.30, a little later than usual. Um, And then late October is our Cape Cod retreat with a podcast recording party at Shoreway Acres Inn in Falmouth, Massachusetts, on Thursday, October 25th, starting at 7 p.m. And again, we're working on those details and we don't have a link for that yet, but- um, But we will soon, so yeah, yeah. so check it out. Yeah, yes. and if nothing else, don't show up for the guests, show up for what I'm wearing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Orange jeans. Orange <laughs> jeans, no orange jeans, no 37 NC orange jeans. But my red ones, well, the red ones I already wore to, see the red ones go really well with the badass mother runner tee. Oh yeah. Um, and that's what I wear to the Kara podcast. I might just have to pull those out again. Oh, I've already decided. I think I'm like wearing the same thing I wore to the um, Anchorage podcast party. I'm like, yeah, that was really comfortable to sit in. It looked good in photos. I think I'm just gonna wear that same thing. Okay. So. Well, now we have that decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and it was from Mod Cloth, you know, and so it's all good. So, um, so all right. Well, many happy miles. Many happy miles. And hey, if you come across some orange cords long, (laughs) drop me a line. Thanks. Bye.